2: Hello there, Scoobs. It's Kristen. I'm up here solo today at the top of our fourth episode of Slayers. I just have a couple of things to tell you. Most importantly, I'm here for uh, the results of the Sexual Tension Awards, the biggest reason that we continue to do intros on our episodes. Um, But in case you are listening to this in real time, this is your reminder that this Saturday, November 4th, we are concluding Pumpkin Spike Autumn. With a concert of buffering songs, Jenny's going to be playing music live for all of our $5 and higher patrons. And then all of our patrons will join us after for a live watch in the Discord of Lovers Walk and Fool for Love to Very hearty spike episodes. And of course, Jenny will be choosing her most spike adjacent songs from the Buffering catalog. So it's going to be a really nice Saturday. We hope that you can join us, and all of that information can be found on the calendar on our website, bufferingcast.com. The other thing that you really should know about if you don't already is that if you live in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, or Seattle, Jenny is coming to your cities uh, on, respectively, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th of November. You can find out all of the information you need to go and see her. Please go. She is wonderful to see live. Uh, And tell her I said hi if you get to high-five her. You know, just let her know I'm, like, missing her over here in New York. JennyOwnYoung.com for all the information you need for that. And last but certainly, certainly, not least... Let me tell you about the Sexual Attention Award winners uh, in episode three of Slayers. This is a given. This is a given. 3% of the vote in fourth place went to Miranda and Despair. 7% of the vote went to Drusilla and Being Hated. 9% of the vote second place, Cordelia and Spike. And listen, no one was going to take it from them. 81% of the freaking vote to Giles and Olivia. You love to see it. We're going to start today's episode talking about Giles and Olivia. We are just all so excited. I'm reading one of the comments on Patreon. I screamed. I screeched when I heard Olivia. Uh, Giles, Olivia, your trophies are in the mail and we're also going to send you a complimentary uh, tea to have while you look upon your trophies. All right, let's get into today's episode.
0: Your Cordelia is dead. Yes. But it sounds like she had a very different role to
2: play. She was a a complex
1: young woman with a, with a, a brave heart. When she found her focus, I think she surprised herself by becoming a smarter, far more capable, and much better person than anyone could have imagined,
2: herself included.
0: It really is a pleasure to meet you.
2: Yes the same.
1: Hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. A podcast where we were once watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and now where we are listening to and discussing every episode of Slayers, a Buffyverse story, one by one, spoiler free. I, dear friends, am Jenny Owen Youngs.
2: And I am Kristen Russo, and I just want to let you know that uh, we are, this is the fourth episode of Slayers, and all four episodes Jenny has started her recording by saying, We are watching every episode of Buffy the. Just kidding. Well, I am I know.
1: perpetually watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so it's not untrue.
2: No, it's not. And Which also, not what I we're mean, here to we're... do today. What are we? Uh, what, how many up? Ep- one hundred and forty-four episodes in that universe to four in this one. I mean, you know, the brain's yeah. neural pathways need mm-hmm. some time to Carved reforge. Deep. Um This is the one where episode four. Okay, so let's think here. This is the one where Giles leaves Olivia to go to Sunnydale. Clem bites off the heads of so many people. And we learn so much about the backstory and plans and so on and so forth about Tara and Drusilla with respect to the grimoire. Also, listen, episode four, Jasper still doing great, still doing fine.
1: Love to see a dog making it through multiple episodes in this universe.
2: Yeah. Did I forget anything really important? Olivia makes tea for everyone, including me and my imagination.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot happened uh, in this episode. Tons and tons of stuff. Uh, But it felt uh, really zipped along. Did you mention
2: Amy? Oh, God, no. Amy Madison is- Amy Madison is back. God, in one um, reality, she's a rat, in another one, she's trapped in a cellar. You know what I mean? She's all... Um, heads you put getting chomped
1: off of demons left and right. If you put really, the
2: two Amy Madisons together, you have a smashing pumpkin lyric, actually. You know? She is a rat trapped in a cage, despite all her rage.
1: Oh, boy. No? Well, <laughs> I feel like technically, Amy was already a rat in a cage, despite her rage just within Mm -hmm. the original television Mm -hmm. series universe.
2: I just wanted to bring my joke back and it felt like it needed a new twist to return, you know? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Slayers episode four, jam-packed full of action, was written by Amber Benson and Christopher Golden, was directed by them and co-directed by Casey Wayland, who also produced it. And it originally aired in a binge drop. October 12th,
2: 2023. Okay, so Jenny, big thoughts. Big thoughts on this app.
1: Having a blast.
2: Yeah? You are you're having a good time with this one?
1: Yeah, I thought this was super fun, and I wasn't feeling like, uh, I wasn't like thinking about it while it was happening. You know what I mean? I feel like in, in episode three, I was like, there was just a lot to keep track of in a way that mm-hmm. felt like a little bit like my brain was, couldn't just be in the story, mm-hmm. but rather was like doing that and also like kind of keeping tabulations on the side.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I didn't say in the this is the one where is also this is the one where we get a lot of information about Clem. I mean, maybe that's that's uh, too much. We don't get a lot of information, but we do get some depth. We get
1: more information than we've ever gotten, than we've ever gotten Clem.
2: from Clem, which I will say that I think in the... Of all the choices that the series makes, obviously the return of Cordelia Chase is uh, high, high, high on my list of things I love. Uh, The entry of Indira into the universe is something I really love. The treatment of Clem and the the depth given to his character in this episode is one of my favorite parts about the whole return of the universe. So um, I liked this episode. I think that, again, I'm coming from a have listened to them all going back vantage points. I can't exactly remember, but I think that episodes three and four were the ones that I struggled the most with in terms of like keeping my footing. It's interesting now to go back in. So, you know, with with such a fine tooth comb to three and four, because I really see such a difference between the two and understand why you, Jenny, had like a difficult time with three, but are having a great time with four. Um, I think you were, like you said last week, like a little overstimulated with three, etc. I think for me, the information in the uh, Terra Drusilla arc was really hard for me to hold in both the, uh, episode three and in this episode, episode four. So I think, like, Maybe my struggle is a bit different than yours, but um, I I loved certain elements—the union of Giles and Cordelia, uh, obviously. Fucking anytime Olivia is in my ears, and um, a lot of those beats I loved, but I still I just I still am struggling with some of the Kurgan stuff. Uh, so <clears throat> you know, we shall see. Struggling in what way? I, I think it's just. Honestly, part of it might just be that I am not somebody who listens to stories, right? Like I am a, I'm a visual person, but like very much so anyone who listens to the podcast knows that like gathering information via only my ears is difficult for me. And so the Kurgan stuff, when I read it on the page as I'm listening, Mm -hmm. I really, really love it. But when I like was just listening, I was very overwhelmed with the detail of that lore, because I think because all of the other lore in the series is lore that I'm at least kind of familiar with, right? Like I know Spike, I know... I know Clem. I know their stories. I know Cordelia original flavor. I know like I have something, but the Kurgan stuff is all brand new. And so I think that's a part of it. And then I think the other part of it is also that I'm finding a little bit of conflict between the need of the alternate universe. Right. It's like we know that Cordelia and Anya are trying to save their world. So that seems real clear to me, right? That's their intention. But the conflict between Drew and Tara is something that I struggle a little bit with because it feels like what Tara is working on, this spell, is the the top of the heap, right? Like, why does it matter? The Anya and Cordelia of it all, why does that matter to Drusilla? And, and like, I want to say that it, like, I could lay on that it matters to Drusilla because she's jealous of Anya and just wants Tara to prove her love to her by killing Anya. But apart from that, it's mm-hmm. like, they're not even in the, like Tara is saying in this episode, right? They're not here. Like, let me use this yeah. moment of peace to perfect this spell that is so much more massive than simply offing Cordelia and and uh, Anya. So there's a conflict there the, for me too.
1: The assumption I'm making, as you say, that stuff, and you have advanced knowledge that I don't have because I haven't listened ahead of this episode. But I mean, the only way that that could make sense, I think, super intuitively, is if like Cordelia and Anya killed Spike,
2: right? Right, like Drusilla's reality, revenge. Drusilla's revenge right. is higher than. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, and it's, and I'm, I'm also trying to put myself in the headspace of where I was when I first listened. So I might be oversaucing my feelings from those first listens because I'm so much deeper in now, even in, again, just the way that we listen to these episodes when we take notes on them. But, um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to go beat by beat here? I
1: am ready.
2: Do you think, Jenny, that Spike's poetry is better than... It it was as William the Bloody. There's that <laughs> we know we know William the Bloody's poetry. Uh, effulgent, I believe, is the word that will summon spikes. Uh, sorry, William's poetry, but he uh, says a little. He gives us a little snippet of his poetry in this intro. Lie in the grass, staring up at the stars, like looking at my heart and seeing the scars. You're a musician. You're a lyricist. What do you think of this? Do you think this is elevated from the days of William? This
1: is definitely light years ahead of William the Bloody, in my opinion. Great.
2: I just deferred to you. I have my own brain, I swear. I mean, yeah, it
1: is It is highly subjective, <laughs> <Yeah>. of course.
2: <laughs> I liked this better. I think he's improved. I think he's improved his technique. Uh, perhaps he could get Cecily now if he still wanted her.
1: Yeah, I mean... The thing is that, like you know, when you rhyme bulge in it with effulgent, um, you can just he- sort of hear the trying. But mm-hmm. when you rhyme stars with scars, mm-hmm. you're like, nice, yeah,
2: <laughs> feels great. <laughs> so, all right. So, backstory: we know, we know what just happened. Anyanka's on her way to London to tear shit up. Um, Clem bit off Miranda's head. And here we go back to fair weather books, the clinking of teacups and the dulcet sounds of Olivia.
1: Kristen, have you ever watched uh, any slow TV? What does that mean? So probably okay, well, no. like, <laughs> For example, um, the first slow TV program I ever saw was a like 20-hour train ride uh through europe um it's basically like a camera is mounted at the front of the train Mm -hmm. and it's just 20 hours of a train slowly Mm -hmm. careening through the european countryside occasionally stopping at a train station but mostly just like you know moving through forests and alongside lakes and just goes on for 20 hours
2: Well, Jenny, um, I didn't know that I had watched slow TV, but I once did watch. Well, I think I've watched it in two different ways. Um, I have watched the Yule Tide Fire. Uh... Okay, yeah, yeah. I feel like fireplace for your home. I can see why you would make the connection. Okay,
1: but. You know that's much more finite.
2: Okay. okay. You know, true. So then, no, because my only other answer was that I also <laughs> watched an alternate version of that, which was a snowman who slowly melted. Um, okay.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> well, have you ever checked out the, per- <laughs> the branded Witcher fireplace for your home? Uh, no, but I do know about it because I am business partners with you. <laughs> good. 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 Okay. So. You're right. Slow TV. I mean, there are a bazillion variations on this theme, mm-hmm. but um, one that I don't think has been made yet um, is just a cool British woman who is partnered with a watcher,
2: uh, <laughs> softly
1: murmuring affirmations to a dog. <laughs> I would watch it. I would
2: fave it. Truly was jealous of Jasper when Olivia was cooing at him. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just like, please, please let me live. Like, I want the alternate choose-your-own-adventure where Indira simply stays with Olivia and Giles and doesn't she doesn't have to fight anything at all she just stays with them mm-hmm. and she has mm-hmm. just a regular life where she doesn't have to see any gore and Giles and Olivia hang out and they have a room far in the back so they can have all the sex they want and Indira doesn't have oh. to you know overhear anything it's just a win mm-hmm. for everyone um, and they yep. take a 20 yep. hour ride on a train in the English countryside <laughs> beautiful
1: <laughs> well you wouldn't want to do it in the Eng- i guess you could do like a sort of a circle but um <laughs> <laughs>
2: but <It's true. laughs> um Okay, so basically this is us learning that you know, we already knew Giles was not doing this anymore. This is where we learn that He did make a promise. I kind of slipped up a little bit last episode because I thought I, you'll find that this will probably happen several times in our conversation of this series where I'm like, maybe it's because of this reason. And I say it so genuinely. And it is because of that reason. And I knew it was, but I forgot it was. And it's in a different part of my brain. So I knew that Olivia had been part of the reason that Giles, like that this was an actual promise that he had made to her because I had heard the episode, Mm. but I forgot. And then I made it sound like mine idea and it wasn't it was written so sorry you're welcome
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he made a promise to olivia to avoid evil and only be around books and and then like canoodle books and canoodle
2: are his options yeah You you had mentioned, Jenny, that Anya, this alternate reality, Anya wasn't quite as um, like cutting as original flavor Anya. And Mm. I I found her to have a couple moments in this scene where I was like, okay, that's I'm seeing a little bit of that uh, Anya that we know where she's just like calling Giles a coward just because he is sort of like drawing his boundaries and advocating for himself. I was like, oh, there she is.
1: Yeah, she says in
2: my world, Giles was a hero fucking burn and olivia will not stand for that olivia is like you can have your tea until you fucking call my partner a coward (laughs) oh god um but anya makes a case uh for herself despite the fact that she's being a little bit rude uh and sort of gives some detail of what happened in their reality she says i need your stupid brain and maybe a reassuring glasses cleaning or two
1: is that so much to ask we do get this big info dump and and Kristen, I will say that there were like a couple of there were a handful of spots where I had to like roll it back where I was like, what did I just learn? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I learned like a lot of things in a short burst. Um, and this is one of those spots. Uh so Anya tells us, in case anybody forgot <laughs> that Tara was her best friend. <laughs> Tara was her best friend. Um and also that Cordelia used to be kind and loving. Now she is hardened and numb because vampires killed her watcher, Giles. Mm-hmm. Vampires killed Cordelia's best friend, Harmony, Harmony! ever. Heard of her and also Cordelia's little sister. I wonder if we're gonna find out eventually that Cordelia's little sister's name is
2: Don. <laughs> no, we found out that her name is Sarah. You made a whole point of oh, it. Oh right.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Well, listen, who can keep track of all these little sisters running around? <laughs> Certainly
2: not I. Uh, I wonder if we'll find out that Cordelia's little sister used to be a mystical ball of energy. You know what I mean? No, I would also accept that. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, um there is who is writing this show that is obsessed with best friends that is my question (laughs) (gasps) Spike and Clem are best friends Cordelia and Harmony were best friends Anya and Tara were best friends (laughs) who's my best friend
2: (laughs) I thought I was according to podcast lore
1: According to Podcast Lore, I'm your best friend. Yes. <laughs> You're but... my, my good friend.
2: No, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. At the end of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, you said I was your best friend, too. I can roll back I don't that tape. Remember saying that? <laughs> um, but that could have been alternate universe, Jenny. <laughs> Shit. Um, okay. So speaking of alternate reality shit, although I guess technically... So something that was a little bit confusing to me too, it's not confusing. It's just my brain was like, okay, wait, so there's a passageway and that's not a different reality. That's just a quick way of getting from California to Yeah, that's to just England. a shortcut. <laughs> a shortcut. Not to be confused with reality jumping. Um, on Yanka rolls in um, I would love to play the little clip at the end of this scene because I think that Emma Caulfield as we have said many times before is simply nailing it Anianka
0: perfect my fun house mere reflection come to life I remember you Giles you with your constant head trauma I always thought one more bang on the skull would be the end of you it's going to be fun to find out
2: Great work. Emma.
1: This is fun. Mm-hmm. She's having a good time.
2: She is actually having, um, I think, a great time. You make a good point, Jenny, in that <laughs> Anya- we know Anyanka is like simply not having a good time because she cannot take pleasure from her job now that she doesn't live in a human body so i love that like Look, we've she- all been there yeah and so you know what if she has to make her fun by zipping along and making other people's lives miserable for a moment you know more power to you on yanka <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we sort of zipped past olivia giving her blessing to uh giles helping yeah. these gals out uh, she clarifies that she extracted Giles's uh, no more evil and stuff promise because the world had like a bazillion slayers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But she shrewdly observes that uh, Anya and Cordelia's world seems to be fairly understaffed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and in, a, uh, in a move that I think we can all relate to, she, in order to reward herself for... Letting Giles go fight evil. She makes a date with some fancy donuts. (laughs) Must be nice.
2: This is the kind of relationship vibe that I have. Like uh, where Olivia is looking not necessarily for Giles to do, like, do only one thing and ever one thing, but simply that Giles is making an effort to the prom. Like, I love that Olivia is like, listen, thank you for saying you won't go and for making such an effort to, like, withhold this promise. And because of that, like, so, a lot of times I feel like that's all I need. I'm like, I have seen your effort. I feel loved and cared for and therefore go. Just, just do, do the thing. I'll go have a donut, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. A plus. Um, All right, so next scene, we are inside of Clem's 1970 Dodge Dart. He says only 42 were made in this color magenta. I tried to get my Mona Lisa Vito energy rolling and find out if this were true. I could not confirm it, but I did get a good look at the 1970 Dodge Dart, and it is so... All we can do here is hear it sputtering but I would like to say in Clem's defense this is a sexy little fucking car. Yeah, I don't
1: I don't know why they're so down on his cars.
2: Me either. I mean, I guess it's, like, rusty and, you know, it's not really working properly, but, like, I would like a 1970 Dodge Dart. If I, you know, in the beginning of of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, we asked folks uh, if they knew where to get a green mug, like Giles's, and we received many in the mail. And so, like, if anyone wants... If anyone wants to send
1: us (laughs) 1970 Dodge Darts... (laughs)
2: Please.
1: That would be welcome. Thank you. Uh, So, we find out in passing, that Clem is either much older or much younger than 150. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, mm. Shortly before, five penthouse demons roll up on this gas station where they are refueling, looking for revenge for the murder of Miranda. Um, I really like leech as an insult for vampires.
2: Mm, you backstabbing leech. Nice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I like that one of the uh, vengeance-seeking demons is uh, the betrothed of Miranda. I love a good scorned lover, you know. So <laughs> happy to see that written in. Well, um, I think for
1: the lover to be scorned, Miranda would have, have to have had to do the scorning.
2: Oh, okay, okay, okay. What? Yeah, a. a, a, a what would you so say? A widow, <laughs> widow, a, a widowed lover, a widowed lover hmm be widowed, for sure. Uh, <laughs> so the fight starts, and we go back to the Anyanka exchange. Jenny, this is my shit, okay? This kind of energy in this bookshop is what I love the Buffyverse for. Anyanka is about to murder them all. Giles gets a call. He picks it up. He says, do you mind if I take this? Anyanka is like, sure. And then when he does actually take the call, she's like, is this dude for fucking real? I love it. I'm I'm sensing a strong somebody
1: making this show worked in a bookstore energy. <laughs> yeah,
2: totally.
1: Um, this person is called. Do you know what this person is calling about?
2: I do. Well, I don't know which which book though. I thought I should ask you, Jenny. Which book, 2013? R. R. Martin is uh, like what what book had not come out yet at this point
1: yeah Kristen a dance with dragons the fifth book in a seven book series came out in 2011 um and it was we've we've all been waiting for the winds of winter the sixth book to come out um since for over a decade. <laughs>
2: So this, for over 10 years <laughs> so this joke is actually really funny like if you understand the fact that this person calling in 2013 is still waiting in 2023 this is an, a top shelf joke in yeah. my opinion
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I gotta keep help, help me keep remembering that it's 2013 somebody in the discord pointed out as we were wondering uh what generation Indira would be a member of, and we were like, oh, doing some very cool math. <laughs> saying, <laughs> according to today, uh, Indira would be Generation Alpha, but, but right. no. But of no. course. She's she's fucking... She's Gen Z. She's um, Is she
2: Gen Z? She's... Oh, yeah, yeah, because we were like 23. She's 16 in
1: 2013.
2: In 2013? She... Where does a millennial cutoff happen?
1: This is what the podcast is made for, right? Uh... Born between nineteen eighty one
2: and nineteen ninety six. Ninety six. Okay. So yeah. Oh, but she's right. She's a cusper. I'll tell you what. She's got. She's mm. got a little millennial. She's kind of like. You're saying us. she's
1: elder. She's, <laughs> she's an she's elder. She's a geriatric Gen Z. <laughs> she's
2: an elder Gen Z. Yeah, exactly. It's just like us, our elder millennials. Um, okay. So what else happens here? Uh, we're still waiting on the next Game of Thrones book and. Uh, Anya sets Anyanka on fire. Giles would really love if Anyanka was not around, but simply this is not the way in his bookshop. He immediately uses a fire extinguisher to put out the fire. Books are entirely
1: too flammable for... uh, (laughs) Giles said immolation watch. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. And Indira Uh, Indira
1: jumps into the fight. And... Okay, this is a thing, so... Indira jumps into the fight and Anyanka says, let's see how brave you are when you're vomiting a thousand toads. And I feel like this and the turn your genitals into a sack of maggots mm-hmm. are both are two things that to me feel like so close to what vengeance demon Anya, Anyanka that we know and love would say, but just like not quite, it's just not quite vengeancey enough. It's like too, there's something... Missing. Mm. Kristen can see me sort of like moving my hand as though I'm perhaps I have those like two balls that excuse me yeah. for saying so uh, <laughs> that you buy it like Spencer gifts and then you like r- kind of rotate them in your hand. <laughs>
2: I never, uh, I never. This is a family show. I never made the give of what you did with your pointer finger the other day in a recording. So what I should do is <laughs> dig back through the vault and put the you moving two balls around in your in the cup of your hand with you moving your pointer finger up and down for a, just a real tasty November treat for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Tis the season.
1: What I'm saying mm. is uh, that both of these concepts are a little too that hand gesture for it to really be like hitting the nail on the head. All but right, Jenny. But I'm excited to hear Anyanka say more things and hopefully get closer to the bullseye for me.
2: Uh, Jenny, challenge, by next episode, can you write something that you would feel vengeance, was vengeancey enough?
1: Yes. The thing about this specific thing, right, mm-hmm. is that uh, Anyanka's whole thing is about um, wronged women right
2: yeah
1: so like she's always in the show she's mm-hmm. always like harkening back to like horrific things that she's done to men that feel some kind of like some kind of like connectedness right yeah like something taken out of context or like s- something that either the wrong woman or the man like said or did like twisted right a bit right right right
2: don't and forget though just, on young hey, teen girl yeah but don't yes. forget Anyanka is drifting in a in a sea without her human counterpart. Right, right. Maybe it's
1: like the context of the of the classic wronged woman odd. Um, without that sort of like human context, Anyanka yeah. is just like She's more of a wild card.
2: Um speaking of being a wild card, she says, I've got the taste of your magic, Anya. We're connected, you and I. Um It's like, how many times have you gotten
1: um, a message on Hinge
2: that said that? (laughs) That feeling where you have the taste of her magic. Um, Okay, so they make, they get to the trap door, they go through the trap door, they bolt the hatch, and then they decide to get rid of the passageway. Listen, Anyanga can poof herself fucking anywhere, so I don't actually think that this matters, but take all precautions, everyone. Right? Take all precautions.
1: I, it just feels like maybe their efforts would be better spent elsewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, like turning her back into the statue again. You know what I mean? Just leave her in a statue for her. Yeah, she was great as a statue. <laughs> She's so good as a statue. And Clem is nowhere near England, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, Jenny, something happens... In this moment, and it is my favorite thing in the episode, it is Giles trying to make a phone call to tell Olivia that he's OK. The choice to have Giles take this long hitting the buttons of the phone is by far my, it's boop, 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 Listen,
1: boop. the man. it's 2013, he's I'm, working with a flip phone, yeah, clearly. Clearly, clearly,
2: I love it. <laughs> Um, He calls Olivia to tell her that they were attacked. She's really fucking worried. Of course she is. Um, But, you know, he says he's going to stay safe and everything's going to be okay.
1: Uh, Okay, so then Giles has this exchange with Anya where he's saying, like, he wants to be so mad at her, but he can't be. But, like, she never should have dragged him into this, though. If their situations were reversed, he might have done the same thing. So he's going to help them. Open a portal back to Anya's world.
2: Uh, Yeah. And they're looking for a book called The Compass of the Hidden Sea, which we'll learn later helps you navigate between realms. Where was this book? In seasons one to seven of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because we could have used it then. You know what I mean? We, there was a lot of different... Especially, you yeah. know what? Honestly, where was this book in Angel, the television series? That's, we really needed it yeah. then. Uh, Maybe
1: uh, George R.R. R. Martin wrote it and it came out in 2012. <laughs> and that was one of the things that delayed Captain. the winds of winter.
2: <laughs> okay, so... We go to Drew's dungeon, not to be confused with Drusilla's playground. And who is here down in the dungeon? Jenny, but our own Amy Madison.
1: It's Amy Madison um, being played by a new actress.
2: Yes. This is Jessica Gardner. Uh, Elizabeth Ann Allen played Amy Madison in the series. um, And from conversations we've had, um, couldn't be reached to play this part, they wanted of course who wouldn't want uh, elizabeth ann allen but that said jessica gardner isn't it done getting it done i mean this is not how this actress sounds just her like she did a lot of research on the affect of amy madison's speech patterns and uh, like is really yeah. fucking doing it so good job jessica gardner
1: Way to go, Jessica Gardner. Welcome to the verse. Um, Right out the gate in the scene, Tara says probably the smartest thing Tara has ever said, mm. which is that it only takes one day of stupid to ruin your life.
2: Tara. Tara. Amy is trying so hard to explain to Tara that, like, this is a ridiculous plan and she needs to cut it out. Um, We learned something really important, which is that Ethan Rain is still alive in this universe, which is great to hear, but they have basically taken all of the magic away from Ethan and they're doing, this is what we learn, Tara is doing with the witches down in the dungeon, she is taking their magic after she's drained by the grimoire, and then... As a mercy, letting them out into the world, but they are empty and vacant of all of the things that made them them. This is an interesting choice because knowing what we know of Tara and what happened to Tara in season five, the glory of it all, right? Like glory was like sucking the life Mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. of folks and then letting them walk around, um, Glory certainly wasn't doing that with any form of mercy in her mind. Um, but it is interesting to be written in, given what we know of Tara from our reality. It also just makes no sense to me how you could ever think that this would be merciful.
1: Yeah. I feel like one of the things that I, like, do have some questions about is sort of like, what's up with Tara? <laughs> just yeah. Just, like, kind of across the board. I feel like, I feel like, uh... Let's see. What's that word where um, for when the voting boundaries um, oh, are yes. manipulated? Is that yes. gerrymandering? Gerrymandering okay.
2: or redlining f- or
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tara's feeling slightly redlined to me. I feel like there are places where she's like clearly pointed in one direction and then some places where she feels like less mm-hmm. sure of like what she's about. And it's, and then sometimes she has the sort of like interior Terra 1.0 kind of surfacing. Right. But like, even when that's not happening, Terra 2.0 seems to sort of like not 100% know what she wants totally
2: and I think that that analogy kind of or whatever it is works for what the character of Tara is doing as well in this moment of like drawing because what I when I said like I don't think it's merciful what I mean is how can you call something merciful when you are literally harming someone right like not that I don't like not that I don't think it's merciful to keep them alive I don't think she should be killing them I don't think she should be taking their magic from them like it's it's you're really skating around some stuff to get to a place where you feel okay about yourself when you are the person that took away somebody's like essence and all of that like it's just a little confusing
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm interested to see where things go Mm -hmm. um and like if if more is going to be made clear or if this is simply like the sort of like residual effect of sort of containing multitudes in the way that tara is currently containing multitudes totally um i love that (laughs) I love that. Tara needs to drain people who have magic. And the the first two people she drains are Ethan Rain and Amy Madison, two people that we have a lot of experience with. I was thinking the magical community in this universe is approximately the same size as the queer dating pool at my college. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is uh, uh, dating slash magically draining each other's exes
2: yeah 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 give us the chart um, she uh, she's also starting really high I feel like Amy Madison and Ethan rain definitely two of the top tier magic holders as we know them in our universe so maybe mm. save those guys you know I don't know I, I it just feels like where's it, rack Bring yeah. back rack Ooh, don't drain rack that seems dangerous at best <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> well you you know willow kind of did it a little that's bit. that's true she that's took a true. little tour
2: oh my god she did take a little and, and
1: i mean i'm not saying it was a good idea or
2: that it <laughs> <laughs> left her better than it found her but um so we the like sort of backstory that we get in this conversation is that and it kind of is what I was talking about with sunlight. Like if you knew you could set them all on fire, wouldn't somebody have been trying to get this spell to work in in that way? But I guess that is actually what happened because Tara wanted to do the spell that would make the moonlight affect them like the sunlight does, which would essentially weaponize the moon. You know, they would never be able to come outside at all.
1: Yeah, so apparently Spike and Drew had like started this rumor that that's what this spell in the Grimoire was all about. Yeah, so that's how they like kind of lured her into casting from their Grimoire, which like rendered her into her current state. Uh, Amy is like, you suck.
2: <laughs> Amy is, co- Amy is correct in a lot of what she is leveling at Tara in this scene. She also says Drusilla is a snake. I would
1: just be careful if I were you Amy. <laughs> yeah. um, but then she introduces what I think is another, in addition to what you were talking about with like uh, Clem's sort of like backstory, I think this is a really interesting piece of of lore. Uh, it you know, I think it's like really touchy to like add lore or build out on an existing property that is like so loved and um held in yeah. such high esteem. But I think the idea, that Andre Kurgan had a theory, yeah, that vampires were evil because they live in the darkness and fear the sun. Like that, there's something about their sort of like physical requirements for continued existence that have like turned them towards evil, and that like the sunlight spell could change that. I I think that is like so interesting. Even if, even if as Amy, Amy goes on to say, uh, Tara's a fool. Uh, and that, uh... That's not how it's going to work. Yeah, no. new society shall not form.
2: I agree. I agree. I think this is really interesting, right? And I'm just going to... Let me just say exactly what Tara says here. Um, Kurgan believed living in the darkness and fearing the sun made vampires evil, that half of their monstrous nature came from self-mythologizing. That was my favorite part, that word, self-mythologizing. The sunlight... Spike,
1: table of one.
2: yeah. (laughs) The sunlight spell would change that. Uh there would be blood at first, but it wouldn't last. Um, vampires can would then live in the sun side by side with humans and a new society would form. Um, I think it's really interesting. And I think it is um also just an interesting thing to think about what um A, like, is could this be true? And B, like, if hard no, then what we tell ourselves, right? That like this is the thing that th- that that. In the end, a lot of us are like seeking out something and we may be totally misguided, but usually it's reminding me of the conversation actually speaking of Rack that I had with Jeff Kober talking about playing these evil parts that like to Mm -hmm. really nail this part, you have to believe you're not trying to be evil. You simply believe this thing deeply and this is what your motivation Mm -hmm. is. And so that I love this lore for that sake as well because it gives us a like a heartbeat for for kurgan at least i'm not getting it quite as much with tara and drew and even like the uh spike from this reality but i do love it for that for that like lore's sake i think it's very cool
0: are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Amy's like, you're a dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where I start to notice, actively notice, and realize that throughout the scene, Amy's chains have been jingling. (laughs) Oh, Amy. They are jingling and jangling. Um... Tara talks about how she and Drew find a balance between them of like what they want and like what their goals are and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that the relationship between Tara and Drew Silla just seems like very out of whack and like. It just doesn't seem, it just seems like maybe they could benefit from some couples therapy.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of lying happening. Um, But lying, honestly. A lot of sneaking up. Uh, Drusilla loves to sneak up. But honestly, she has reason <laughs> to. I actually am really team Drew um, between these two. I'm really team Drew. I think, Tara is uh, keeping the literal core of herself from her partner and that is not fair. Drusilla has this amazing line later where she says like there's a little girl inside of me uh, like that is very that got very scared that you left and I was like oh True, mm-hmm. like just Drusilla. Talk, Drusilla is a lot of things, but Drusilla in this universe as well, like has the capacity to, I think, express herself very clearly in moments. And like, mm. I think that Drusilla is showing up for Tara at this point. Um, Everything I've seen, Drusilla is sh- showing up for Tara. She's annoyed with some things about Tara. She wants to see Tara show up for her like she feels like she's showing up for Tara. And so team Drew, Kristen, Kristen mm-hmm. Nolene, team Drew. Mm hmm. 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 <laughs> so Tara um, puts Amy through a lot of horrible pain simply because she's annoyed, which is very uncool. Uh, the script here telling us what we've said. I know, Jenny, you just want to say noir uh, probably at least one time. <laughs> but the script is, uh, you know, the sound effects call for the crackle of magic and then Amy is screaming again, period, hideous, period. The sound effects are calling for dark shit, okay? So um, we get that. And then we
1: zip back over to the gas station. We do. Um... (laughs) Spike letting the Penthos demons know that Clem is actually responsible for killing Miranda. Uh, Cordelia's like, what are you doing? Clem is like, no. Turns out. Turns out. Clem, a bottomless well of sorrow and despair, in pain all the time, every second of every day. He just chooses
2: happiness. Clem. Clem. uh, This is... A lot. Um, He also does. I mean, I think you were right, Jenny, when you talked about the puffer or when you talked about like what we saw from the uh, potentials, like from the back, Mm -hmm. because we learned that Clem is blown up in this scene like a puffer fish using like all Mm -hmm. of those folds of his skin. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically Spike has weaponized Clem's misery against the Penthos demons. Um, because even though they, like, have had their fill, they don't know their limit, and they keep going and going and going and going, and eventually Clem is puffed up and bites all five of their heads off. The wet? I think he actually bites all five of their heads oh, off. Oh, maybe. Well, we hear him bite, bite, what, two, and then the rest, what, run away? Yeah. The sound effects, wet, bone-breaking chomp as Clem bites the demon's head off. Nasty.
1: Yes, keep me away from bone-breaking chomps that are wet, please.
2: Um, Okay. All right.
1: Kristen. Mm. You know that? (laughs) You know that feeling? Mm. When you're just trying to talk to your monkey? But then your vampirist lover (laughs) rolls up and you're like, you were spying. And she's like, I was admiring. Oh, my God. And then you make some make out sounds directly into a
2: microphone. Yeah, I do know that. And then Jenny is like, this is none of my business. (laughs) Um, Amy has gotten into Tara's head in some way because the thing that Tara wants to say to Drew the minute she sees her is actually we should probably kill them now like I don't know I uh, like I just feel like that would be really satisfying for me so Tara's feeling (laughs) conflicted. Um, yeah. yeah. To your point, Jenny, stop talking to this monkey, okay? Just stop it. Drusilla, it, just actually stop lying. But if you're not gonna stop lying, then stop saying all of your lies out loud to a monkey while <laughs> Drusilla is skulking about. <laughs> uh, more exchanging, this is, I already kind of talked about this at the top. There's like more exchange here about like, but Anya and Cordelia, but the sunlight spell, but Anya and Cordelia, mm-hmm. okay.
1: I like that Tara is like Spike is dead and Drusilla
2: is like, well, he can't help it. <laughs> can't help it. Do you think, I, I I, had like a real thinky moment in this uh, Spike wanting a global vampire kingdom. I just, it doesn't feel like Spike to me. That feels like Angelus. Angelus would want a global vampire yeah. kingdom. Spike but just. But maybe, yeah, oh yes. Maybe in this reality, Spike is more like and jealous okay okay i mean i guess we'll find out i but right like at least in our reality spike is spike wants to put fucking wheaties on his blood and have it crunch he wants to smoke his cigarette yeah. he wants to fuck people and kill he people he conspired
1: he conspired with his sworn enemy the vampire slayer to prevent his grandsire from bringing about the end of the world
2: exactly Spike does it Spike wants his bloomin' onions, okay? He doesn't want to fucking. Spike wants
1: his Morley cigarettes. Yeah. So Spike again, wants a six-pack.
2: Let's learn more, I suppose, as the series goes on. But I'm very <laughs> curious about alternate reality Spike and how he would want this.
1: There's no there's no reality in which I can believe that Drusilla would wear a grass skirt
2: a thousand percent one thousand percent going after her crown in copenhagen correct wearing yes. a grass skirt in the south Pacific? in the sun no on a beach no absolutely not anyway you know what she wants the most what killing cordelia and anya yeah she does she the only does. thing
1: she wants more than uh, lying on a beach with tara Duh. Wearing a dress and then swimming naked Duh. is killing Cordelia and
2: Anya. She Why does? can't she have it? All right, Giles would like to sometimes be a strong, supple young woman, <laughs> and <laughs> one of those men. moments is in the next scene at the magic box. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are still looking for this fucking book. It's three in the morning. Okay, what, can, can someone just has anyone tried saying boo? because oh true that's the
1: actually clinically proven to be the best way to locate your missing book Uh,
2: five out of five Uh, books agree simply say book and they will come
1: Uh indira has a theory and her theory is that giles (laughs) giles is basically what a worm on a hook Uh giles is Uh, The human shield that the council holds up (laughs) against any uh, dangers that may arise around a slayer. They were like, this guy was a troublemaker. Let's put him with the girl who burned down her gym.
2: Yeah, basically Uh, they're not betting on Giles to do anything good, so they might as well risk his life. That's her theory. What do you think about this, Jenny? Because we've had our questions about... You know, why G- Giles? Why Giles? Right, why Giles? He obviously left the Watcher's Council for at least a time while he was uh, making out with Ethan and all that stuff and, you know, doing dark magic and what have you. Mm-hmm. So I think Indira's theory does hold some weight, and I kind of like it for the story, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. like Buffy was sort of the underdog of Slayers, and if Giles is the underdog of Watchers and together they said fuck you to the council and save the world, like, yeah, we like it. Something Giles like doesn't that. like it, though. Giles does not want to be... Giles doesn't
1: like it. Uh, no,
2: he wants to be the best <laughs> one. That's why he was chosen.
1: She's also like, didn't Faith, um, <laughs> didn't her watcher get killed and then fed to alligators? And Giles is like, you must have uh, read a uh, book Transcription of that episode with a few pages missing. I love because the alligators and the the watcher's death were wholly unrelated.
2: I love the idea of Faith just on Reddit, like also like she like said what she she said that at the bronze, but then also later on Reddit like wanted to make sure the story was recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's play Faith's jingle because you know what we've gotten two Faith mentions and who knows how many more we'll get, and we cannot miss the opportunity. Hit it, bitch.
1: She's from Boston, keeps it spotting, doesn't need any frills, seems like she's
2: This is sweet though. Indira, like, ultimately, after she theorizes and theorizes, is working her way to tell Giles that she just wants him to know that she'll be his backup. Since, like, no, the council wasn't going to give him backup, she'll be his backup. And it's very sweet. Indira is very nice, actually, to everyone. I like
1: yeah. <laughs> okay, so Spike comes a knocking, comes a rap, tap, tapping, mm-hmm. immediately followed by Clem and Cordelia. I love everyone's like I'm relieved you're alive and I'm relieved you're alive and Clem is like is anyone relieved
2: I'm alive now would be the perfect time to say so and Indira does because Indira is so nice um I love little pigs little pigs let me in this is feeling very 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 much like spike writing to me like this is I can Mm -hmm. see it um for sure Giles
1: Giles first priority is ensuring that Clem is no longer eating kittens still he's on his
2: kitten free diet good man he says when he finds out that Clem is still kitten free and um, (laughs) now we have alternate reality Cordelia coming face to face with our realities Giles we've learned that Giles was Cordelia's watcher so Giles Giles to Cordy is Giles to Buffy that's the math of these universes um, and they're mm. coming face to face. And we heard at the top of the episode um, part of this clip, but we're going to play the, the beginning piece of the clip here for you. Uh,
1: and you, I must say, it's it's one thing to know another Cordelia Chase exists, but something else entirely to meet you.
0: Spike told me about this Buffy Summers chick, but in my world, it was you and me. You trained me. You taught me everything I know about being a slayer.
2: That's, um,
1: well, it's, it's lovely to hear. Your Giles must be
2: very proud.
0: I think he was. I hope he was.
2: Ah, I see.
0: Yeah. He taught me well. But sometimes even your best
1: isn't enough. This is the best stuff that's happened,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, this is good shit. Um, this was also in, I think, the teaser, the trailer, whatever we're calling that video. Like, we saw um, Tony Head and um, Charisma recording this moment, and it's mm. a real, like, give you chills moment in so many ways, right? It's like thinking about the Cordelia and Giles relationship that we didn't get to see, that we at least haven't gotten mm-hmm. to see, um, and thinking about our giles and our cordelia and the power that our cordelia had in the universe that we were given in this reality and thinking about the appreciation that we had and that someone of giles um sort of like nature had for cordelia it's it's really beautiful and it tracks for me all the way down
1: yeah yeah it's just that's just so good and they're both they're both knocking it out of the park
2: I think it's like one of these moments, too, where, you know, there's like a meta experience happening, too, because obviously we're getting Giles and Cordy from, you know, various realities and that the power of that. But we're also getting Tony Head and Charisma Carpenter, I think, in this moment. And Mm -hmm. that translates. Um, And a lot of, you know, you were making a joke before, like, who in the writer's room loves best friends? But I was thinking about All of the times that we've seen these actors in conversation with each other, but certainly uh, like the most recent time, which was at Comic-Con when these actors were sitting on stage with each other, the fucking love that these folks have for one another is so powerful. Mm. And I think, you know, this is 2013 in the universe, but in the 2023 world of these actors being in a room together, I think we also get a lot of that in the exchange and it's really fucking cool so yeah there you go your feelings dump at the end of the app here <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay Spike wants to like pick up the pace here uh cause he'd like to catch a million dead reunion show Kristen <gasps>
2: Jenny, do you know who's in Million Dead? I didn't, but I did my due diligence. I was like, Million Dead. I wonder <laughs> if that's a band. Let me look it up. And then I looked it up and was like, Frank Turner. I know him. I felt there so he goes. cool. I felt so. Cool. You yeah. must have felt so cool because you've played so many shows with Frank. You know Frank so well.
1: Um, I wouldn't. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> it's not going ahead of Uh I did do a tour opening for Frank, and he rocks. Um. I was shocked, truly shocked, to look up Million Dead and realize that Frank, Frank Turner's hair was extremely long when he was <laughs> in Million <laughs> Dead.
2: Um, this was really cool. Does it track for you? I mean, you know more of the music than I do, but does this track yes, for I cele- you? Yes,
1: I celebrate this choice. For
2: Spike, Yeah. Uh, it seemed just by like reading the description of the music, uh, that it would it would fit with Spike. But I hope that Frank <laughs> knows. I ho- so okay. Tell me something. Doesn't doesn't Frank Turner Turner and Corey Brannon, Isn't there an overlap there, or am I making things up? Yeah, there's a oh, there's a revival tour uh, overlap. Revival, sure. okay. And Corey Brannon is a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I just hope that someone is telling. <laughs> frank that he's, you know, in universe here. Oh, the other he's thing I meant, cited. to since we're talking about in-universe music, right? So we know that in our reality, I mean, clearly in our reality, this band exists because we live in our reality. But in the alternate reality, Green Day, still a band. Uh, Tara's <laughs> Taro's wearing a Green Day <laughs> concert shirt, so I'm happy to know yeah. that Green Day is still rocking it uh, over in the alternate <laughs> reality. <laughs>
1: uh, weirdly, though, the um, in their reality, Green Day is made up of... Um... <laughs> Tom DeLong, Mark Hoppus, and Travis Barker.
2: (laughs) Um, My wife went to Los Angeles a couple weeks ago to see a concert, and I was telling a friend of ours about what she was going to be doing. Like, why is she going to L.A.? I was like, oh, she's going to see a concert with her sisters, Blink-182. And this friend said to Avanti, "Um, are you going to L.A. to see a Blink-182 concert? She said, no, I'm going to see Saves the Day. I was like, same. (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) Same, same. (laughs) No idea, you guys. (laughs) Anyway, this is my little anecdote uh, for the moment. So So, this scene, to your point, Jenny, uh, Spike is wanting things to move along, and what he is wanting to move along is the spell. Anya has found the book. Good job, Anya. Anya has found the compass, uh, not to be confused with the golden compass. And the markings are on the floor. Everything is in place. And the plan is that Spike, Anya, and Cordelia will go back to the dimension. That was always the plan, and that is the plan, except for two things. One, Indira is like, fuck no, I'm not staying here. I'm helping. And everyone's like, no, no, Indira, you literally just became a slayer, except for Cordy. And Cordy is like, you know what? I was her once and I know that she is like in this fight and she should be able to come with us. So it is agreed that Indira will enter the circle. So four people will be going back to the other reality, except for, oh no, they all blow out their little matches and the sulfur smoke gathers in the center and who busts in? (gasps) Anyaka? (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Sometimes?
1: Clem is like, Anyaka, I can explain. (laughs)
2: Anyanka, give me the Anyanka Clem spinoff, please. I'll love it. I Mm, love it. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Anyanka blows in and Giles tries to stop Anyanka, but does not succeed, it seems. We don't really know. All we know is that we hear Spike say that Giles has fallen into the circle and then we hear a big whooshy sound. If you watched the trailer teaser video thingy, you will know that we saw this. They were all in the room together. Uh, all of them sort of screaming and what have you. Um, and that's the moment that this episode ends on. So we don't know who winds up where. Um, we'll have to wait to dig into the fifth episode to find out. <sighs> A lot going on. Sound effects called for a foosh of magic. F w o o s h. A foosh of well, magic. Yeah. What do you? We, call I it? love. Would love to know who's writing the sound effects. I mean, I assume it's mm. you know, just collaborative. But good words in here. S- splurch, <laughs> Foosh. <Splurge>. A <A-plus. laughs> Uh.
1: Kristen, what was your favorite audio in this episode?
2: My favorite audio is both the audio choice. I already said it, basically, but it's like the audio, but also the direction of the audio choice. And it is Giles on a flip phone trying to call Olivia with his glasses maybe on (laughs) or off. He can't quite see the buttons perfectly, but he's doing Mm -hmm, his mm -hmm. best. I think I was very much in the moment for that sound cue. Uh, My pick was Clem enunciating the phrase classic automobile. (laughs) oh beautiful when you send Tell us our it. dodge darts can you please make sure that you include a uh cassette tape that we can pop into our maybe an a were there eight a- tracks in cars in the 70s probably uh seems right just send us the way to play that clip inside of our new dodge darts and by new i mean vintage old right. oh yeah
1: <laughs> well i guess there's only one thing left to do
2: speaking of putting an eight track in a player <laughs> hey, if you're not going to transition, I will. You know what I mean? Sexual Attention
1: Award. Well, here we are again. Again. I can't believe it. We're back. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. And now here we are. Back in the Sexual Attention Awards. For this episode, we've got four pairings. Four possible selections uh for you to consider today in slot number one we've got a famished gang of penthos demons and clem's bottomless well of sorrow and despair oh poor clem poor, poor clem, clem. but mm. Do you think the desire the penthos... burns bright in this one?
2: When the penthos demons eat your despair, does it go away? Because like maybe I don't know. Like maybe this is helpful for Clem. It's like, are penthos yeah. demons the Zoloft of the demon world? If they... that were
1: the case, I think people wouldn't be screaming when they get fed on. That's true. Um, speaking of screaming when they get fed on, in slot number two, it's Giles and Olivia. Hot,
2: hot, hot. As hot as the tea they
1: sip upon. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, nothing says sexy, sexy time, like <laughs> sipping a hot cup
2: of tea. Hey. Don't yuck my yum, baby. You know what I mean? Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh in slot number three, uh sometimes, you know, desire is about like the negative space, uh, secrets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the unseen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was with this in mind that we selected for slot number three, Drusilla and Eavesdropping on slash sneaking up on Tara, <laughs> she can't keep away from it. She loves she it. Can't stop. She's addicted. And in slot number four, ooh, she's got the taste of it. It's on Yanka and Anya's <laughs> magic. She can't stop <laughs> thinking about it. <sighs> so. Please, 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 we need your delicious succulent votes. Uh, Head on over to bufferingcast.com slash STA and that will redirect you to the most recent STA poll. Thank you for voting in advance.
2: Did we do it? Oh, Jenny, we sure did. Oh, my gosh. I would dare to say that I think we might be two of the most qualified people to do the work that we are currently doing, and I don't usually feel like that. <laughs> hmm. I feel... Well, one of us feels qualified. I feel real qualified for this. I feel like we've got a lot of history in our brains, and it's mm. it's just been very... Even though we
1: couldn't remember that Clem eats bugles. Yeah,
2: well, you know, some things will slip, but I just... I, I'm having a very good time with, like... Because I've never done this. I've never really, like dove into a new text but with a history of previous texts that I feel very familiar with it's it's satisfying yeah. to me so I'm having a good time
1: me too I'm having a blast fuck yeah well I guess that's it for this episode for this week but we'll be back just hang in there mm-hmm. Just a quick pop through the trap door <laughs> to next week is that how trapdoors work? Uh, I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I am not making podcasts with Kristen, I'm usually making music. I have a new album out called Avalanche. came out in September. Uh, and I'm playing some shows. I've got some West Coast shows coming up this month. I'll be in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle, November 15th through the 18th. I hope you'll come out. If you're in that area, you can find tickets and info at JennyOwenYoungs.com and you can give me a shout on social at JennyOwenYoungs.
2: It would really help you if you had a trap door from like Maine to the West Coast, you know. So, so would sick. be really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My name is Kristen Russo, and um, when not tinkering on the magical trapdoor that will save us all the time we need to continue making podcasts and also doing everything else that our lives require, (laughs) I am working with and for LGBTQ communities. You can learn more about that work um, and the fun little things I do uh, in that world at KristenNolene.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E.
1: Buffering the Vampire Slayers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. Or you can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com.
2: You can support our work by becoming a patron of ours. Just head on over to Patreon.com slash BufferingCast. Or the website, BufferingCast.com. Everything you need is there. Everything. Every single I'm this hoping I'm hoping produced... lunch is there actually because I really need lunch right Ooh. now so I'm ho- I'm going to go to bufferingcast.com yeah. and see if there's any lunch slash lunch me. slash lunch yeah.
1: <laughs> this episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by Jean Marc Nelson. Until next time. Ah <sighs> uh, woo. ah.
0: We have to try to find ways to find peace and art and love and connection in the midst of the chaos of life. So that's life writing. I am so excited to have comic and daily show correspondent, Roy Wood Jr. Well, hello. That joke was birthed from my trip to the African-American Smithsonian in DC, which that was the first time I saw something where, all right, on this floor, it's nothing but good news. Mm. We've gone through slavery, we've gone through, Desegregation and Emancipation Proclamation and Reconstruction. But on this floor, Beyonce, Michael Jordan, Issa Rae. Thank you for coming. Come and join us on Life Writing for more stories like these and the tools writers need to make yourself the hero or heroine of the adventure of your life. Life Writing is available wherever you get your
1: podcasts.